0: Welcome to Home's Room. Just like homeroom, we start off our day getting together with our homies, swapping stories, even a little kiss and tell action. This podcast contains language not suitable for younger listeners, topics about sex and mental health. Discretion is advised. Our views are our own. Let class begin. here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Homes Room. I'm here with Caitlin again. We are talking about mental health aspect of life. Um, You know, the availability of uh, therapy and other, you know, avenues of, I would, I would say help more than anything else. How are you doing today, Caitlin? I'm
1: doing well, Matt. And I'm really excited because I feel like this is an episode that we almost from the get-go were like excited to have a conversation about and film an episode about. So uh, I definitely was really excited prepping about this and was definitely a little bit of a moment of like, I'm so proud of myself for coming so far. So um, maybe this could be something where somebody else maybe hears and is validated in that same... Um, same type of thought pattern as well. So,
0: yeah, I think that, you know, the, a growth mindset is the biggest thing that you have to adapt when it comes to any kind of mental health aspect and getting help and all of those things are, you know, a growth mindset. Cause even deciding I need to get help is a huge step and Mm -hmm. a huge growth and then taking that next step to get help is an even bigger step and an even bigger growth so i think all of those things are you know ultra important if i may say so
1: absolutely Um,
0: real quick i just wanted to say uh as we are recording this it is drastically after valentine's day but shout out to the, the missus because we just got matching tattoos and it's a funny story. And this is going to be a slightly heavy episode and I'm going to start it off on a light note. So uh, she sent me a text message and I don't know if you saw the pictures, but uh, I did. I saw she, it on Instagram. <laughs> she, she sent me a text <laughs> message and she said, I loge you. And I said, you loge me. And then I just was like, I'm going to, I'm going to let this go all day. And I'm just going to keep saying it, but being the good husband that I am, I was like, let me go look this up to make sure that I'm not saying something stupid to her. Or we're like being like saying a nasty word to each other and don't realize it. And (laughs) what it ended up being is a private theater or box in like a movie theater or a grand theater. And it's just a private little area. And we met at a movie theater and we were like, how fitting and then I said, "Can we get that tattooed?" And there might be debate on who said it first. We have to go back to the to the text message to see that. But either way, we just got it matching. Uh, hers is written in my handwriting, my terrible handwriting, and uh, <laughs> mine is written in her handwriting. And we, I think the thing that we spent the most time on was drawing the hearts that are at the end because it was like, "Is that how I draw a heart?" No, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I have like. 12 hearts written on this piece of paper right here that that's I tried, awesome you I got some to
1: practice in
0: yeah exactly <laughs> and we just got them the other day we we were supposed to get him around valentine's day but we kept having stuff pop up and it just didn't work out so i'm really excited about that because you know it's those little things i'm that's gonna try so not to like get all get all sappy but um I love it. And if you're going to be
1: sappy about anyone, it should be your wife, Matt. Come on.
0: It should. It should. <laughs> um, I like it. Uh, it's not our first matching tattoo either. We have other one or, or another one, but that's cool. Um, I it just, it's, it is. I like it. I'm I'm excited to have it on my arm. Uh, she can see hers all the time. I can't ever see mine. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause I can't twist my arm in the, the way I need to, to do it. A mirror might help, I guess.
1: There you go. But, um, that's Okay.
0: Yeah. So, like I said, I just want to start this episode off on a light note, something you know a little bit a little bit cheery uh, before we jump into the uh, the therapies. Uh, you know that in your interview, um, we talked about that and you're you've been really open about your journey and uh, you know you wrote a book about it. Uh, I've also been pretty open about it, but I think that this is going to show another side of both of us in a term or in terms of how we feel like the world is kind of scoped around that. Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, that's important. And right now people that have been through it, um, people that have come out the other side talking about their experiences, I think is what's needed. And hopefully somebody takes something from this one way or the other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, we can also maybe start with a disclaimer that neither of us are licensed therapists or doctors or anything like that. We have um, just a lot of life experience between us to give some insight about what has worked for us, not worked for us, um, things like that. But again, um, we're talking about medication types of therapy. That is absolutely a conversation that is perhaps best between you and a mental health professional. Um, but again, I'm an open book, so I don't give a shit, Matt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm the same way, and I think that that is a good disclaimer. We are not experts. If you are interested in getting help or you are seeking help or you are currently getting help, those people are definitely your best resources. We, as Caitlin likes to say, are just some idiots with internet
1: access and a microphone. <laughs> It's the truth it is that's okay though we got it, <laughs> yeah,
0: um so first, uh you know, let's just talk about the the types of therapy um and you know there's like your psycho- your psychoanalysts you know basic um therapy that like you just go there's that like understanding of you know textbook what a therapist should or shouldn't be. Um behavioral therapy, obviously. Um congenitive, which uh is again, we're not experts, so like that's one of those ones that's like real 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 deep dive. Um humanistic therapy is one that we just uh I didn't know about. Uh you also didn't know about, and mm-hmm. you looked it up.
1: Yes, I Googled yeah. it and I didn't know I'm like humanistic sounds Humanistic therapy. I don't even have like a go-to assumption for what that type of therapy would like be. Um, But I did look it up and it's humanistic therapy. A humanistic therapist focuses on helping people free themselves from disabling assumptions and attitudes so that they can live fuller lives. Um, The humanistic therapist emphasizes growth and self-actualization rather than curing diseases or alleviating disorders so to me again idiot with internet access um i just told matt too like to me that sounds like a a life coach um versus you know any other form of therapy that sounds to me like it's um making lemons out or lemonade out of lemons type of um approach not necessarily saying like You know, yeah, we're here to fix your major depressive disorder. Let's just maybe help with a reframe so that you can shift your mindset and view it instead of a weakness or instead of um, a fault in your character, that this is perhaps um, an opportunity for growth or an opportunity for something good to come your way. So that was humanistic therapy. And I had never even heard about that before we sat down to start filming. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I didn't either. And I I would agree. I think that that's a, um, definitely, you know, sounds like the life coachy thing, but makes it sound more in like less like somebody that has like 15 clients and more like somebody that's there for you, even though they might have 15 clients. Like they're, yeah. it's not like just call them when you're feeling down and they're like, okay, have you put down a job application today? Have you gotten up today? Like it sounds more, you know, personal than that. And I think that, you know. For somebody that might be exactly what they need, you know, I, I'm going to look into that more because that may be something that, you know, I just need somebody that like reminds me, you know, Hey, this is what you got going on. Focus on these things, reframe it, whatever. And reminds me of those. Cause that, it sounds interesting. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about, you know, cause that's the the basis of what therapy is. We, if you, if you've found this podcast, chances are you, uh, you have like us <laughs> been down the road of man, some shit has happened. <laughs> uh but with the modern technologies and such as the interwebs and all of those uh mobile devices in your pockets can stretch, um, I think the uptick in online and like mobile resources is pretty awesome um i haven't personally used any except for one through my insurance which was like more of a Mm check-in and i don't remember what that was called only because it didn't have a name currently it was like when they launched it and it was just the resource it wasn't like it didn't have like a true name yet so you know those kinds of things have you had any experience with um the uh online or
1: yeah um you know weirdly enough um i started my fun adventure in therapy back in the peak of um the pandemic so i was an employee for a um major metropolitan police department um and they had a contract with a therapist's office who had several therapists on staff and as part of their um treatment plan for uh you know uh, in response to the pandemic, they actually called every single employee one on one so i had um my i've only ever had virtual therapy appointments I've never had an in person uh. therapy appointment, especially because in light of the pandemic um i think that that has made therapy uh, a lot more readily available for people. Um, But I do think that it also presents some challenges as well. So I really love um, remote therapy. I like that I don't really have to disrupt my daily schedule too much. Um, On days where I'm working from home and I have um, an hour session, I can literally close my work laptop open my personal laptop and have therapy for an hour and then again turn around and start working again. So um again the the ease and of course being a mother of two tiny humans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That uh Um, definitely helps helps me a lot. I need a flexible schedule. So
0: do you think that being being able to do it from home, do you think it makes you feel a slight bit more comfortable because you're in your natural environment instead of like going to this awkward office that smells kind of like a doctor's office, but kind of like an old shoe at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think it, um, the fact that I'm in my, uh, I call this my she cave. This is where I literally (laughs) sit and have my therapy appointments. Um, the fact that I'm in a, uh, safe place. I'm literally in my sweatpants. I know that this is this space to me in my home is the heart and soul of, um, where I come to recoup and relax. Um, I also think that it helps me too, because I've had a lot of really powerful and like emotional breakthroughs in therapy. So having to drive to and from like an hour appointment mm-hmm. where I live versus like where probably the, the nicer or like the um, uh, where I would probably have to go to get mental health uh to get therapy, get treatment through therapy. Um, I don't have an hour drive of me ugly crying and being <laughs> occupied by my thoughts to battle with traffic on the interstate. So, I think that um, that definitely means that it's a, a better fit for me than probably in person therapy.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't have thought about that. The the drive time um, when I was going, uh, my my drive was like five minutes, and I mostly like walked around with the extra 10 I had, cause I don't like being late to anywhere. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I could see how that would be, you know, taxing for a lot of people. And I think that, you know, in this topic of availability of therapy and resources, that's definitely something that has to come into, you know, into the equation is, you know, the, the distance that's not one that I thought of immediately, but that's definitely, you know, the, the, biggest part of availability, I guess, is, is it near you? So yeah, that, that hour drive could be rough for somebody. So,
1: so talking, when we were talking about, or I was thinking about this part of our conversation, um, yes, there's in-person and there's remote sessions, but a big thing that I have had a thorn in my ass about with therapy is costs associated with it. Um, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate with the first uh, the first therapist that I talked about with their um, COVID response plan. Um, they had a contract with my employer, so all of those sessions were free. But it was like a limited amount of sessions that I could actually have. So mm-hmm. um, she, my therapist at the time, was super helpful and kind of like pushed the envelope with the amount of sessions because they say it's like six sessions per issue. So luckily for me, I have Uh. lots of issues, man. (laughs) But like, so that was where I started my therapy, you know, journey. And, And for me, it was like finally accepting that I needed the help to go to that, to finding a therapist that I really, really vibed with to the fact that they were free. Now, that I'm uh, for sure like a big kid. I uh, I have the health insurance plan that my whole family's on. Um, every single therapy session until my deductible is hit for the year costs me $120 an hour. And like, yes, I could... There's all kinds of adult financial things that we could have a conversation mm-hmm. about. Um, but I have had to have um, a conversation or two, especially... When um, my second son was born with, you know, is this one hour session going to bring me $120 worth of um, relief and insight and clarity? Yeah. Or should I just go call my little sister and talk her ear off for an hour? (laughs) Because that's free. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So I, I um. feel like, Matt, I'm I'm kind of very fortunate that I'm even in a position where I can even entertain paying that much hourly for therapy. But, I, I mean, I don't know what your experience has been. I know people that um, that have wanted and have been desperate for conversation with a mental health clinician or a mental health professional and literally have been priced out of the help. So,
0: yeah. I mean, that's, I, my, my first experience with any kind of counseling or anything was uh, I was still in my mom's insurance and she's uh, like medical professional. So like she had pretty decent insurance. And one of the things that they did was, you know, similar to you, I only got three sessions per like issue. So it was like, we, I went to the first one. uh, I went to the second one. And then on the third one, she was, she was talking to me and she said, you know, it sounds like you are extremely capable of working through these issues. And normally this is where I would write you, you know, some sort of referral to, you know, uh, I guess, fully be a patient of hers. Um, And she's like, but honestly, I'm going to give you these exercises to work on. And, you know, they should help you out because you, you're processing what you need to process. You're doing what you need to do and you're being aware of what you need to be aware of. And, you know, if you want, you could set up an appointment where you come talk to me once every like three months and, you know, unless something drastic changes. And in my head, I was just like, did you just tell me like, thanks, but bye. Is that what just happened? And I was like, thank God that was free. So it's like, I went, as soon as you said that, you know, like, is this worth X amount of dollars mm-hmm. or can I go do this thing for free? Um, that was, that was kind of how it started. So it's like, Ugh, I don't know. I don't so know.
1: how did you proceed forward when that therapist said, okay, thanks. You're good now. Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, honestly, I started trying to like, Address the issues myself, I guess. So, like, I know I'm hurting. I know what the problems are. I'm trying to process whether my feelings are real or my feelings are just my mind telling me that this is a problem. I, I'm not equipped to. One of my favorite sayings is, "You can't you can't go to the solution for the problem, or you can't go to the problem for the solution." And I know what I have going on, but I don't know if what I have going on is just a perception or is actually based in reality. So I started having to go to, you know, essentially go into the problem for the solution. Like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Are you noticing this? Are you? if you do notice this, can you like, help me like stay on the right path? Because I don't know what else to do. And then, you know, uh, things got, worse and then things got better and then things got worse and it was just a yo-yo effect just like you know any kind of diet where you're trying to trying to do it on your own you know with no real guide it there's there's only so much you can do
1: yourself yeah yes absolutely um kind of thought of this question off the top of my face as i'm listening to you give your perspective about that experience um have you had any breakthroughs in therapy that you know you would not have been able to get to by yourself?
0: Um Yeah. N- not I can't I can't specifically say yes. There's an underlying, I guess, like pff, irrational fear ish thing. And I like, I remember sitting in a session having, you know, music ish, white, noisy beach noises and stuff playing behind me or playing in my ears while we were doing this thing. And I, I realized that like, I can't turn off. I can't not be like hyper-focused or hyper-aware. And that was the first time I think I noticed that. So like, if that counts, then yeah. but. I don't know that it changed anything. I just that am counts. aware of it
1: now. Being self, so, okay, you know, well, then, being yay. self-aware is only like a third of fixing the problem, and some people, <laughs> arguably, are not even that self-aware of their own issues. So if that's all you got out of therapy, that's still a dub, Matt. Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I I give myself a golf clap. I give myself a golf clap. No, I, and that's the thing is like I I have always been really good about I guess. Uh, not internalizing anything. Like I, I asked you the other day, you know, like, do you think because we're vocal processors, we have a different outlook on a lot of things. And when I, even as a young age, when I didn't know something, I went not ask, I sought an answer. I, I was always curious and always had a thirst for the answers. And when it comes to like mental health and, you know, that kind of, you know, area, there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of, you know, capability that you can go do research and find nothing replaces a person that is trained to do it in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's still a lot of resources that cost no money that you can work on. Like one of my favorite things is finding questionnaires to fill out that don't necessarily tell you you're, you know, type a this, or you have diagnosed this, but they at least give you a little bit of insight on you know whether your feelings are normal in the terms of like you're not the only one feeling it and that alone is a huge jump in my opinion
1: yeah i've definitely gotten a lot of validation um from my therapy sessions especially if it's some it's just also very nice to have a conversation with a completely unbiased third party um specifically (laughs) in like familial conflict which i've had a fair share of um without getting into too much detail but i'll be like hey, this is a thing that happened to me. And let me tell you, that really pissed me off. And I don't know why. And my first therapist would be like, (laughs) oh, well, first of all, um, this person telling you that or whatever is, first of all, extremely invalidating. So can I just validate how much uh, you are allowed to feel whatever you need to feel in whatever context and then react after? Um, Because I've Oh, a lot of my developmental, early developmental teenage years were uh trauma informed. <laughs> Which <laughs> guess You don't yeah, say. <laughs> get this, Matt. That does not set you up for healthy coping mechanisms. Isn't that nuts?
0: <laughs> yeah. I
1: would have never guessed that So I you know, just to have an unbiased third party kind of be able to tell them what's going on, uh and Validate whatever struggle it is when nobody else arguably can give me um, that like larger picture. There's just always like, you know, years of unspoken history or additional context or, you know, all kinds of things. So that's yeah. definitely been something that has um, helped me with therapy or that therapy has helped me with. But um, the I think the biggest breakthrough that I've ever had in therapy was figuring out that. Um, I'm not 100% who I am because of trauma. Um, Specific example, I was talking to uh, my current therapist uh, about my mom, about how she has made, she had made some difficult decisions of um, completely cutting ties with toxic family members, uh, moving us states and states away from family members who were not healthy or positive relationships or anything like that. And I was just talking about how much of a fierce advocate she was for her children. Um, and that earlier in that same session, we had talked about mean motherhood and all these things. And my therapist said, so basically what you're telling me is the things that you are struggling with are things that, um, your mother also struggled with that she, Was decisive. She did not, was not worried about ruffling feathers. She was vocal and she was gonna do whatever needed to be done to keep her family happy and safe. She told me, Matt, let me tell you, she told me, So you're telling me that there's a very good likelihood that you would have ended up being the same type of mother had your mom not died. And then she looked at me and Mm. she said, you are much less broken by your trauma than I think you think you are. And I was like, Whoa, that was definitely worth $120 how, that hour. <laughs> yeah, how, How's that, how's that feel? Like being
0: almost like lifted off of your, you know, off your back or something, you know, somebody came through and slid the slid the thing off your plate a little bit. How did, how did it that feel? honestly
1: was the best moment that I've had in therapy? Uh, that's like the relief that I felt in that moment is, uh, like chasing the dragon for the first time or trying, trying heroin for those who are not as educated about drug culture. (laughs) Uh, they say the first time that you, uh, try heroin is like the best high and it's the high that you're always chasing. And that relief that I felt, um, it definitely answered a lot of questions for me because I was grieving in that moment too. You know, not only, um, did my mom die when I was 14? Um, but also my dad had passed by then too so it was like not only grieving that other relationship but grieving even the possibility of getting to ask him any questions about my mom um those were always going to be questions that went unanswered so that's that's yeah. my computer if you can hear that weird f- buzzing noise sorry
0: <laughs> no i'm just so enamored by like your breakthrough that like i i'm hanging on to every word right now Uh, I think that's amazing. And I think that, you know, one of the things that makes everybody them is their ability to deal with their uniqueness in a situation. And for somebody to come along and tell you that, like, the thing that, you know, you hold you were holding on to as, you know, probably a heavier weight than, you know, anybody else and not your uniqueness would be able to carry – they uh, you know they almost absolved you of that burden and i think that that's like huge which again is why somebody trained to do mm-hmm. this is definitely you know wor- worth that money when you when you can't afford it and you know unfortunately that is a you know, cost prohibited Granted, part of the availability. Matt, I of had a couple
1: dud sessions with this therapist before we finally <laughs> got there, but we did get there, and that's something that I will always be uh, grateful to that therapist for. So, uh,
0: I like it. Um, so you know, kind of staying on on the you know train of you know the uh, breakthroughs. Do you think that? When you have a breakthrough like that, and then you go back the next time, do you think that you're more inclined to, you know, push that boundary, go a little bit further into the session? Or do you think that you recoil a little bit because nothing's going to make me feel as good as that one did? Or, you know, is it something in between?
1: I would say in between, but I do remember walking away from my next session with that therapist being like bummed. Like, okay, well, that was not as good as my other session with her. Um, <laughs> coming off of all my sessions, though, um, I take ravenous notes during my, um, my therapy sessions. First and foremost, kind of like prepping for a... Um, podcast episode with you, Matt, like I will go and just because we only have an hour, I want to make sure that I'm being as economic with that time as possible. So I'll think back to the prior week of issues that I struggled with. Anyways, long story short, those notes turn into notes of my conversation with my therapist. There've been several therapy sessions where I have sprinted downstairs with my laptop just to sit down and tell my husband, listen to what we talked about. Listen to what I just learned about myself. Listen to all of this. And he's excited, but also there have been more times than not that he just sits back and he just, like, has this, like, dumb smile on his face. He's just like, and I'm like, what? He goes, you know, why'd you have to pay $120 for that, for you to find that out about yourself? Like, I've known that about you. Like, what, (laughs) like, the things that he said something along the lines of like therapy is helping you see yourself in the way that I see you, but he's also never told me that. And we just have like interesting interesting communication about like heavier topics like that. So I still say worth the money. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I recoil as much, but also going into new therapy sessions. Um, a lot of my attitude going into therapy just depends on what like my prior week or two weeks, um, looked like. So, um, it just depends on if I had a shittier week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's
0: really good, man. Like that's, it, I, I know every like body dysmorphia mm-hmm. is a thing and I don't know if there's a term for it as far as like the way that like you perceive yourself like emotionally and like mentally, but like the outward reflection of like how I see you or how you know somebody else sees you and perceives you because that's like I know for me when I look at you know people around me especially as a coach um, I never I never. Th- told anybody to do something that I didn't think that they were capable of, or I wouldn't have put anybody in a position. I didn't think that they were capable of learning, uh, improving at, or just being able to flat out do. And they always, you know, I was so nervous. I don't know why you did that, but and it's like, but you're here, aren't you? Like you made it through that, right? Like you learned something, you had fun, like whatever it is. And I wonder, you know, what that thing is in us. That's like, Mm, I don't know. And then you find out, you know, like, man, this whole time, I do not think like a
1: potato. You know, I thought this whole time. That's an interesting thought because biologically that kind of, you know, there's fight or flight, there's fight, flight or freeze. And sometimes there's freeze where you're like, I don't know if this is smart. Like, I don't know if I, what. I mean, what what would be an example of something that a kid would be scared of or nervous about? And then come back later and be like, look at what I did, coach.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one, one of the things that I can say specifically is, you know, just getting into a new position, like something that you haven't done before that requires a little bit more speed than what you think you have or a little and bit more. what sport
1: are we talking about here? I played roller derby. Okay. So, so but you, yeah. do you coach roller derby?
0: I did. I did. I coached and played. I coached and played. Following, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times it was, you know, like I said, a little bit of speed, a little bit of position, you know, or like going out there against a specific person. And to me, it's like, I believe that, you know, you could rise to the occasion, but also I wouldn't put you in a position I didn't think you could handle you've, you've shown me and I'm big on trust. I'm big on like prove to me that this is a thing that you can do. And once you got that, that level of like prove or trust it, there's the rest is just like fairy dust, man. Like all now it's just nothing to do, but do it. So, you know, um, absolutely. I think that, you know, with where we're at and you know, what we're kind of knocking at the door of now is like you know what people are seeking help and how to you know go about getting help and you know i was curious as you know what your research or what notes you took that like you'd want to start with
1: yeah i so part of our homework for this episode was to come up with a couple like um mental health facts or therapy facts that interested us and Um, I was super interested in looking into any information about um, therapy in a post-pandemic world, um, what that might look like or sound like. Um, But, okay, so my first fact that I found was that in 2021, around 41.7 million adults in the U.S. received treatment uh, treatment or counseling For their mental health within the past year. However, the way that they quantified treatment was also, um, medication. So it's not just treatment in therapy. It's, um, 4.17 million adults are either in therapy or on medication or both. So, um... That was only one that was like one of the only updated stats that I felt comfortable um, maybe talking about. But I, you know, I feel like this has not really been a heavily researched topic. I don't know if if you also felt that, you know, kind of digging around in, in facts for for our episode today. But that was my first one. I was kind of surprised by the four point or the forty-one point seven million. Um Because, you know, some census data or some uh, other articles about mental health research say that there's only like a um, less than half or a small percentage of people in the United States that actually do proactively seek therapy or counseling or, um, you know, treatment in the form of medication. I definitely feel like that changed after the pandemic.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't know about that stat, and I I didn't research pandemic stuff um, specifically, but I that's wild to me, and I think it's a little skewedish with like the way that they classify it. But either way, I mean that's a lot of people, and I think that that stat compared to the stat that I looked up that just made me sad, um, you know, is. Kind of hand in hand, and it, why I, I took this episode as something that was going to be a little bit heavy, which I'm glad it hasn't been so far. But you know, ha- that's so many people, so it's awesome that that many people are going to get help and trying to improve their situation. But it's sad that that many people have to go, yeah, improve their situation or seek help. And you know, I wonder how many of those are people that slipped through a crack somewhere or you know like yourself had had been you know saddled with this way of thinking and you know somebody somewhere could have done one thing somewhat like to to make that situation a little bit better and you know now they're just a a statistic like the rest of us and yeah I think that's crazy
1: yeah so what um what are your facts
0: uh so the stats that I looked up um i was most interested in uh and this comes from the mcclellan hospital research um center they were doing uh, in 2020 to 2021 they were doing the statistics i assume it was probably pandemic related but it didn't cite that specifically but um i wanted to know how many people of color specifically black people were Mm. going and getting help uh ironically enough there's an ad running on tv where there's a kid sitting at a like a diner table and he's leaned back and his friend says man you gotta quit it with that depression stuff that's white people shit and are you kidding just me like, yeah and it's like that is probably one of the more accurate things that i've i've seen where it's just like that's not a like you, you need to like suck it up you, it, it, life ain't that bad it's been worse you know like whatever whatever it is um and I was like, this is kind of perfect timing for this episode. And uh, full disclosure, I always kind of shy away from stuff like this because it just makes me sad. It just makes me like makes my heart hurt because I grew up with, you know, the uh, black person ancestral trauma stuff that everybody does. And I'm trying to break some of those cycles for my kids mm-hmm. just simply because it's somebody has to and I want to. But um. What, what the stat was was that um, specifically black people seek help in a rate of about 25%. And, you know, that seems like, oh, you know, 25%. But white Americans seek help at a rate of 40%. And what skews the results in a way that makes it really sad is there's not a disproportionate... Uh, Like need between the two, the like mental health aspect and the reports of what people are dealing with and people that that were surveyed and asked, you know, do they feel this way x number of days or x number of times Um, was about equal. So it wasn't just simply because of one thing or the other, or you know, it has to be a little bit of availability, a little bit of you know, like, I can't, I can't go do that. People are going to think I'm weak and that made me sad. And then it delved me into a whole nother rabbit hole of, you know, those kind of stats and those kind of things. And people that were people's names that were attached to having been somebody that suffered through that without going to get help because they thought it would make them look weak.
1: Mm. What do you think? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are some reasons why you think that discrepancy exists? Granted, that TV commercial does not yeah. bode well for your answer, but please. Yeah, and
0: I mean the. Good, go ahead. The good the good thing is is that that commercial was like the rest of the commercial is supposed to be about seeking help and finding like they every person in the in the ad like finds somebody that wants to talk to them or a friend that's actually supportive and not just, you know, saying something stupid out the side of their face. So that, that it was a good commercial. It just that part like resonated with me because I've heard stuff like that before. But um I I definitely think that it comes down to, you know, the perception of strength and for me, it's not about, you know, oh, I have to be strong because, you know, the man's trying to keep me down or because white society is trying to keep me down or whatever. I I just look behind me and see how many people I got to be strong for. Mm-hmm. And I'm just one person. So everybody has that. And when the world is trying to tell you you're not enough, but everything you do is to the best of your abilities and you know that it should be enough because you're not doing any less than the people around you that's a hard life to live that's a hard thing to to cope with and to decide okay but now if you show any weakness it's like oh well see he's got a problem because he he's got a bad attitude so you can't have that bad attitude. You got to suck that up. Mm. And then it's like, oh, well, he's he's moody because he's the angry black guy. Like you, you got to suck that up because you can't do it. And I think all of those things are a problem. But then you also have a whole, you know, culture of black women who are, you know, ideal, idolized for their figure or their hair or, you know, something and are almost taught that they aren't anything more than that. And that they're always going to be baby mamas or something else. And, you know, they're trying to fight out of that stigma. They're trying to do something, but being told that they can't. And, you know, now you have the fact that they are a woman trying to be this thing. And like, how do you, how do you square with that part? And so there's just so much, so many levels of it, I think. Mm -hmm.
1: We went there. We got there. Don't worry. <laughs> it, the, yeah, this episode did get to a heavy spot. Um, okay, well, let me do a quick plug for a resource um, for white people like me who uh, do not understand the uh, the types of culture di- cultural differences that you are talking about. Because t- believe it or not, whether you want to... Um, Because period, point blank, hard stop, those cultural differences are there. Um, And the whole time you're giving your answer, I'm sitting there like nodding, like listening, absolutely not understanding. But to me, you're telling me it sounds it almost sounds like the pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thing um which it's 2023 if we need to have a detailed conversation to um invalidate that complete lie and fallacy like let's do it we'll have an entire fucking (laughs) episode about it if needed um however when i was in graduate school i had a teacher who i absolutely did not like um but she had me read a book that i will always be eternally grateful for her For making us read. It's called Code of the Streets. Um, It's by an investigative journalist. I think his last name's Anderson. Um, But he essentially went into um, inner cities and wrote all about the social contract um, that a corn fed white bitch like me would not fucking understand otherwise. Um, talks about some of those cultural differences, talks about um, black men, black women, what their social capital is, and that educated me a lot. Um, and it is written from the perspective of a black man. So um, those are really heavy fucking topics. And I'm really proud of you for talking about that, Matt. And it definitely okay. is a conversation that I just need to sit back and shut the fuck up, or, uh, shut up about. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are... You are incredible for um, recording yourself and putting yourself out there on the internet um, for such a sensitive topic, specific to gender and race, um, and you're talking about breaking generational cycles of trauma. Um, someday your your kids are going to look, look back to this episode and be like, "Yeah, my dad fucking rocks." So. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um I I will throw a caveat in there because like I said I it was it makes me sad, but I wanted to uh include this note specifically because somebody that was a person that I would believe most of America looks up to no matter where you come from, what you did, um Martin Luther King Jr. is actually one of those people that suffered in silence because he didn't want to be perceived as weak in you know what he was doing and if you know somebody like that was still concerned about being perceived as weak even though everything he was doing mm-hmm. was the opposite it just shows how like how damaging you know mental health can be because at at one point in time you have an entire race of people rallying behind you and they would hang on every word you say, but you were still worried about being weak. That shows that even the greatest among us can, you know, falter and feel, you know, trapped inside our own heads. So if you're, you know, just a normal person going to work, trying to get through your day, if you're suffering it, there's help to be found, but also realize that like everybody can suffer. It doesn't matter what it is. It's not, you know something that you have to be ashamed of or you know concerned that somebody's going to see you as weak because like it's sh- everybody's got it everybody's doing it so
1: <sighs> that was a really damn good point Matt and I'm going to be like resonating and stewing in that I can already <laughs> tell for the rest of the evening like that's a really good point thank you for um bringing that to all of our attention but I'm definitely gonna stew on that <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, like I said, I it, it took me into a, like a completely different, you know, avenue. And like I said, I was concerned more with like that side of it than anything else, because the availability of therapy also, you know, doesn't cross that line as much for people of color. And that was kind of what I found out in this, you know, in this research. And that, that sucked.
1: I want to educate myself more about that. Um, um, but yeah. So speaking of education, I told you that I had some data, um,
0: points that I wanted to make.
1: Um, I would argue that any data or stats that we have about therapy in the United States is limited at best. Um, yes, first and foremost, uh, a lot of issues with, or a lot of information about therapy and treatment um, they're all HIPAA protected. So that kind of blocks the availability of some of that information. There's only so much of it that can actually be released in the first place. Um, so a lot of the studies that I read were just like polls. Um, one poll Mm -hmm. was given out to like 2000 people or 2000 adults in the United States. And somehow they drew the conclusion that, um, only 25% of people in the United States had never actually thought about going to therapy or like actively sought out treatment. I'm like 25% of those 2000 people (laughs) that you asked, but no, that's a, that's a garbage sample size when you're drawing concrete conclusions about a whole country. Um, but again, I, and we've, we've touched on it. Data research about this topic is awful because I still argue that there is this huge, um, stigma behind it. Um, there are, there are still fields, career fields that are actively telling people, um, you know, maybe not actively telling, but where those conversations are completely, um, thrown under the rug, disregarded, or, um, anything like that, specifically law enforcement, at the mm-hmm. at the local, state, federal level, I believe that yes, there's a, a lot more conversation. Depending on what t- what department that you're at, um, there are 100 percent departments still in our country that do not even open up about the pro- uh, about the topic or offer resources to uh, patrol officers yeah. or to anybody. Um, when we know for a fact in law enforcement, there's a higher um, higher rates of divorce um, suicide and, um, alcoholism period. Hard stop. Yeah. Um,
0: that's a, that's a big push for our, you know, the war fighters. Yes. Military was my next one. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, that kind of rolls into my, that's what she said, um, for this week. Um, but I will totally follow your lead about where you want to take the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I was one more stat that I wanted to share and it's on the same topic. You know, it's just, uh, you know, one of the things that I didn't know, like I said, ancestral trauma, one of the things that I didn't know when I, when I thought about it, uh, after reading this, I was like, damn, that makes sense. Um, the, uh, the most common trace back to the ancestral trauma for you know any any black person as far as you know mental health uh, concerns uh, goes back to slavery. And I know everybody's always like, "Oh, of course it's slavery." It did happen; it was a thing. But um, the reason why is because black people were considered to not be sophisticated enough. To even have the developmental process to be depressed or anxious or have mental, you know, health concerns when they started documenting it, because why would they? And that's a problem. So because of that, uh, you know, like you said, the studies are polls. So when they pulled, um, I couldn't find the number, but when they polled African American youth, uh uh, are like they realize that they that Afri- more African American youth are um at the risk of developing PTSD at nearly 65% compared to all other races, Jesus. and that is a 30% uh of their peers. Like that, that's wild, and that's not just specifically because of trauma, that's that's just because of the situations that they are growing mm-hmm. up in. So that, that one, like that is where I, I had to stop doing research. Cause I just, that just made me really sad. And I was
1: like, wow, I don't, that's I don't heavy know. shit, Matt. And yes, I think that's a nationwide problem. Specific to, um, youth, I don't, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't know what the solution is, but please know that I am in a field where I am bashing my head and not shutting yeah. up about it until somebody hears me, whether I have to go to fucking, I've even told, um, I had a conversation with the uh, assistant director of the three-letter agency that I'm a federal contractor for right now. <laughs> I go, what do I have to do to discuss juveniles murdering each other over Instagram beef. Like, do you want me to buy a nice suit and go to fucking DC and testify to Congress <laughs> about what's going on in East St. Louis right now? Cause I will. Um, yeah, don't worry. We That's got there. What, we got to the heavy part. Shit, man. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm saying. And I, again, you know, as far as availability of, you know, the, the, mental health aspect of the world. Um, Like I said, there's, there's tons of resources that are online now. And I didn't know this until the other day as well, but for him and for her, like the, like wellness company, Mm -hmm. I guess is what it is. I didn't know they were offering um, like counseling and that's pretty interesting. I haven't been able to find rates. It seems like it's kind of behind like the, fill out this application no. read, and then they'll give you rates because I, because I couldn't figure it out. But um, you know, I haven't used better help personally, but I've heard, you know, some good things from people that like better help has been, you know, a, a good resource, but a lot of the like income-based counselors, I will give you the warning of they are counselors that are more of a broad stroke approach because they're not specialists. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to them for help, go with the lens that they are not a specialist. They can only do so much. Give them a break and hopefully that'll you know that'll that'll help you go into the situation a little bit better if that's the avenue that you have to go to because therapy is available. You just have to figure it out. And if you are having trouble, you can't do it, you can't find it reach out to one of us. I don't care. DMs are always open. We will help you. Literally. I want you to be here. I want you to see your kids grow up. I want you to see your puppy run down the street. I want to see you drive that car that you didn't think that you would ever be able to drive. I want to see you grow up and graduate high school, whatever it is. I want you here. So.
1: Ditto. Um, I've said multiple times on my Instagram because I am a a member of the Dead Parents Club times two, and I have been a uh, lifetime member. I'm a lifetime member as of 2008. So I've said multiple times um, on my Instagram, and I'll say it here now too, my DMs are always open, um, always. And I make it a priority to be resource to other people. And I know that Matt has the same attitude too, because there are... Uh, times in my life where I wish I had a random stranger to just shoot the shit with (laughs) on Instagram and um, maybe get their perspective about a struggle. Um, But yeah, please reach out.
0: Yes, please do. All right. So we're going to wrap up that part of this uh, and move on to my new favorite segment. That's what she said. Yes.
1: Yes. And again, (laughs) thank you, Matt, for um, letting me, end out uh, the episodes with uh, That's What She Said, uh, where Matt just lets me talk about whatever shit I want, and uh, oh everybody just has to listen to it, but no, that's fine. Um, I wanted to... S- so entertaining. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is entertaining. Hold on. Um, but I wanted to stick to the theme of, of our therapy and mental health related um, topic, and I wanted to talk about how I had to work so hard fucking hard to deprogram from this notion um that getting help and asking for help or getting therapy or seeking treatment through medication is a weakness um a little bit about me and i think we've talked about it maybe i don't know if we've talked about the specific aspect of it but uh my mom died in 2008 from a crash involving a semi and my sister and i um who were 12 and 14 followed my dad's lead and I vividly remember very recently after the crash happening, my dad just sat back and said, um, we don't need to go to counseling or therapy. I don't need to pay somebody to tell me that I'm sad. <laughs> uh, I know that I'm sad. I don't need to pay anybody. And that kind of informed all of my, um, my perspective about medication or therapy or anything like that moving forward from that point forward, um, which I said, you know, yeah, this has been a really traumatic event for me. But like, if my dad just went through the same trauma and he's okay, like then who am I to say that I need help? Like, you know, I was following his lead. Um, bullshit. Uh, I have now completely and proudly and loudly flipped my perspective to where I say, um, that getting help, uh, going forth and conquering and trying to deal with your own shit to do what's best for you and your loved ones and those that depend on you is the single greatest, um, single greatest thing that you will ever do out of love for every single person that depends on you. And it is the greatest declaration of love. Um, shouldering your shit and holding it and just deciding to just be okay in your misery is the weak way out. It's the comfortable way out because, um, yeah, you're miserable. Yeah. Maybe you're making other people around you miserable, or you could be living a happier, more full life. Um, straight up the hard thing to do is admit that you need the help and not only admit it, but go forth and try to deal with your shit. Um, that's what strong people do. And if you feel like you have, um, done what's called like therapist hopping or like trying to just figure out what works, trying to figure out what works and you're still not finding the pieces of your puzzle that mesh well together to you. Um, my sister-in-law, um, told me a couple years ago, something that was really insightful, Um, While I was starting my adventure in therapy and she was um, a little bit further into it than I was, she said, do not be discouraged if you have to try a therapist or two before you find one that you mesh with that will actually help you the way that you need to be helped and not the way that, um, you know, it's kind of like dating a little bit, you know, if you're going to, you're going to let that person into your heart and your mind at really intimate levels, um, of course you are not going to be comfortable doing that with everybody. Um, so it doesn't matter how many therapists it takes what matters is that you are resilient enough to keep looking for the next one. If you find one that you do not mesh well with, or you do not feel comfortable opening up to, or whatever the reason is, or because they're too fucking expensive, because that's a whole other thing that we've kind of touched on already in this episode. However, (laughs) um, what matters is that you are doing the hard thing, of dealing with your shit instead of many generations of people ahead of us who decided um, to just live in their misery their entire lives. Um, Speaking from experience, I have people like that in my family that have just lived out their entire life um, sad and mad and angry um, because they just buried all the shit. And I know I am living much a much happier and more fulfilling life than I thought was possible um, when I was 14 in the throes of my um, you know, trauma and related to uh, my mom dying. So um, also medication fucking works and it saved my life. So um, I think that people who are judgmental are ill-informed, uh, perhaps uneducated or have just not found something that works for them. Um, because I'll tell you straight up Lexapro. Even first thing in my acknowledgement page on my book is, I don't know if the person who invented Lexapro will ever read this book, but if you do someday, I'd love to buy you (laughs) beer because that person, whoever it was saved my life period. So that's what she said. (laughs) I
0: love it. I love it. Um, so, uh, I read your book. So when you were, you know, saying, you know, your dad's reaction to therapy and not needing to have pay somebody to tell him, when I read it, i read it in the exact <laughs> voice and i just delivered that scene <laughs> so i love it we, it was destined to be i'm glad i'm so glad that that like we have you this didn't sound like that i'm fucking all here. about
1: my my impression of him does not ever but bother. that's the point is,
0: is that's how i read it because i read it in your voice and how how you would say it so and you know mind you we had only talked like that's once okay, at that point yeah so, i love that's it. <laughs> Uh, Another thing that you said, and this is something that I've been harping on Courtney about and anybody else that is struggling with any kind of like getting past the hump to go get help or getting past the hump because they won't get out of their own way. You have to start getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you're not willing to do that, then you will never move that bar. If you're going to stay comfortable, then you're, you're not, fixing the issue you're every time you push up against it and it starts to feel like a little abrasive or a little stingy or a little hurdy you're you recoil back to comfortable and you gotta get uncomfortable Mm -mm. i'm not saying that you gotta jump in fast something that i heard the other day that i i would have never thought is if you're in a rush to do something that means you're afraid of it and you're trying to just get it over with so it doesn't have to be a fast Mm -hmm. process it just has to be a process you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable um, I know that you also said you have, uh, grief specific stuff. And if you want, you can, uh, send me the ads, um, on Instagram. And when, when this episode drops, we can drop them. I wanted to give a shout out to the holistic psychologist on, uh, Instagram. Even if you don't know much about your specific mental health, if you read those slides and you're like, damn, that one's me. And you slide and you're like, damn, that one's me. And you slide and you're like, damn, that one's me. And you slide and you're like, oh, that one's not me. And then you slide. So similar to a horoscope, yeah, you might be able to find something that relates to you inside of everything. But with a lot of their slides, I think that as long as you ask yourself that question, you're doing a little bit of the work every time. Following resources like that on social media, instead of something that just makes you sad or hate yourself, is way better use of your time in my opinion or you know the the resources that caitlin has talked about where it's um you know grief specific stuff because it's a community of people that are trying to support and one of the things that always blows my mind is how many like famous people names pop up in the people that have liked the post because it's like oh damn like I wouldn't have expected you to follow this page. Cause it doesn't seem like something that like you would have followed. And then you're like, damn, you're a real person maybe. And you got feelings too. Yeah. Huh.
1: I think that's a kind of an advantage of being part of the dead parents club. So young in life is, um, everybody's parents die eventually. So if you're not there yet, yeah. buckle up. Yeah. We're ending this episode on a light note, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no so
0: it's it it is um, can
1: i just say real quick too if i had any piece of advice for courtney or for anybody that res that just whatever matt just said about the the things getting icky and then you just walking or like hiding away from them um if that resonated with you the short moments of pain and uncomfortability that it takes to lead to that breakthrough, which completely alters your perspective about something that you're switching with. Those short moments leading up to that breakthrough is nothing compared to the next part of your life that starts after that, where you no longer have to live with that, whatever it was burdening you as much as it was. So Courtney,
0: Boom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sound clip for the for, for social media right there love it um yeah i love it i love it and i love that we had this conversation and just like always it's you know for for two strangers who met on the internet uh i think that you know this is this is better than what craigslist produces <laughs> i would imagine. Um, so. I, again, I thank you for being here. I thank you for having this conversation. And, you know, like we keep saying our DMS are open and on a topic as heavy as this, like absolutely reach out. If you feel like reaching out, I, for one, I love giving advice. I love helping people. I love being like, I tell people all the time, if you just need my DMS to be a black hole where you just send stuff and just to get it off your chest, send it. And I will just be like, yep. And I like I you'll you will never see the little like red button if that's what you are like like that I I saw it if that's what you want just because I don't I, I just need you to know that I'm here to support you no matter what. So everybody, Preach. all yeah everyone. Reach it, Matt. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh make sure that you're su- subscribed, following whatever the 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 feature is on whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure you're reviewing. If you want to hear somebody on here, if you want to hear something on here, drop us uh, a line. Let us know. Um, that's kind of what this is for is, you know, as much as I love talking to you, Caitlin, hopefully people are people listening. People probably as
1: well. get annoyed with me too. That's okay. Switch <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Never. No, never. Oh, thanks again for having me, Matt. And thank you for opening up and giving us um, a, a perspective that I don't feel like enough people are educated about. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. The bell is about to ring. If you want to drop us a voice message or simply ask a question, you can do that by clicking the link in the show notes below. Be sure to leave us a five star review, it helps more people find us. Theme music by Kinsey. More music available on Spotify. Remember, every day is a class, go learn something.